You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fired Up Broncos podcast. I'm your host, as always, Zach Seegers, here for another exciting episode. This time, no guests, though, on vacation. You might be able to tell my recording setup's a little different, getting a nice mic next week and everything, though, so I'm very excited for that. But yeah, on vacation, visiting the parents, got a, got a, a little less organized rig still. But we're going to have a great show for you guys nonetheless. Um, looking at the Broncos' final roster, uh, I, I'm going to go through it. Wrote an article over at Mile High Sports earlier this week. Make sure uh, you're going over there, checking that out. Uh, go through every single position group. And going to do the same thing here on this podcast. Going to go position by position through the Broncos' roster um, and just talk about how uh, it seems most likely to, to shake out here. Starting at quarterback with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. You could make an argument the Broncos are going to carry three quarterbacks here um, with Brett Rippon. I think he's shown enough um, to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. No one's going to fool themselves into thinking he's a, a starter. But he does seem like someone who can hang around the league as a backup for, you know, five, six, seven years. Um and, you know, he's not going to do that for the Broncos with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater on the roster. He's guaranteed the third quarterback, and ideally you don't want to carry three quarterbacks. Um, so I do think the Broncos probably let him go. They would love, I am absolutely sure, they would love to get um, Brett Rippett on the practice squad. Because I, I, I really do think they like him as a backup quarterback. And we saw that last season um, when he replaced Jeff Driscoll and. You know, there was the the three interception game or four interception game, whatever it was against the Jets. But I, I still think he looked better than a, a Driscoll out there. Um, with that said, because he's good enough to be a backup quarterback, I think he probably gets poached by someone. But we'll see. Maybe the Broncos are lucky in there. Maybe the Broncos are lucky and they're able to pull off uh, keeping him just on the practice squad. As for quarterback, you're going to have the battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater there. Um you know, it's it's a big uh, uh, competition. You know, it's the big headline surrounding Broncos training camp right now. Um, but I actually don't think it's like that exciting of a battle compared to a lot of the other position groups. Like the cornerback, who's going to be starting at cornerback is so much more interesting. Like I get it. It's the quarterback position, incredibly important. And it's going to get a lot of our focus. Lord knows I've talked about the Locke situation way too much. But with that said, like, I, I just don't see how Locke isn't the day one starter. Unless Teddy just, like, whoops whoops him in a, a training camp. Unless it's definitive in training camp. Like, yep, Locke ain't it. Then I just don't know how you go to Bridgewater. I mentioned it earlier looking at camp battles. Locke has a potential to be your future. Bridgewater has no potential to be your future. Giving up on Locke now uh, automatically makes um, the first round draft choice look so much worse. So much worse. You've got to give Locke the week one shot. 
um, and make him lose this job to Bridgewater. Because otherwise, uh, the, the Broncos not focusing on quarterback looks terrible. You didn't focus on quarterback this offseason because you seemed to believe in Drew Locke and wanted to give him another year. To give up on that before the season even starts makes not pursuing a quarterback more aggressively this offseason look uh, horrendous, frankly. So I, I think Drew Locke has to win that week one starting job. But we'll, we'll see. Bridgewater has been better so far. Moving on to running back. Um, this one, uh, I, I said it before during our camp battle bit, I think this is a much more interesting position to watch. Um, you know, Javante Williams against Melvin Gordon. Gordon looked like a top 10 running back down the stretch last season, but uh, that it should not be assumed that he's going to play at that level um, this coming year. He, he has steadily declined in play each year since about his third year in the league. Um, advanced an- analytics that uh, uh, try to isolate running back performance, stuff like um, offensive share metric or offensive value metric. I forget what they're calling it now over at PFN. Um, but showed like a, a very uh, uh, obvious and noticeable downward trend for uh, uh, Gordon um, since about his third year in the league. I don't think that suddenly gets reversed. Um, you know, it, it's the trend with modern running backs. Um, meanwhile, guys are entering the league as rookies and dominating. Um, you look at uh, uh, Nick Chubb, Z- Zeke Elliott, guys that Javante Williams was compared to by Brian Stark, who interviewed for the Broncos uh, GM job and is currently the director of college scouting. It's a really important voice in that front office who um, uh, it was very obvious to us as the public. They put it in the behind the Broncos uh, uh, documentary, whatever you want to call it, a docuseries. Um, that he compared Javante Williams to Nick Chubb and Zeke Elliott. That's not a guy like, let's say that's close. Let's say he's 90% of those guys. He's not even that like all pro level running back, but he's like a pro bowl level running back. That guy's not sitting behind Melvin Gordon people. He's not. If, if he is what the Broncos think he was, and they'll be wrong on about half these guys, just like every NFL team is with about half their draft picks. Okay. So there's a chance he won't be what they thought he was, but if he's what, they thought he was no chance he's sitting behind Melvin Gordon in my mind. Um, maybe Melvin Gordon's the week one starter, but that job's going to Williams sooner rather than later. Um, then looking at the rest of the room, Mike Boone, who they just gave a free agent deal to should be pretty much a lock for the roster. I mean, crazier things have happened, but unless he totally stinks it up in camp, he's going to be on that final roster. And then Royce Freeman, there's a chance for Royce Freeman to make the roster. I just don't know what he gives you that like Melvin Gordon doesn't. Now, if if they decide to cut Melvin Gordon, which is a possibility, um, the the savings out uh, the savings number is greater than the dead cap number, so it it would make logical sense if the Broncos wanted to move on from Gordon. People shouldn't totally dismiss that possibility. Unless they cut Gordon, I just don't know what Royce Freeman brings you. Um, if you wanted Royce Freeman on the final roster or felt comfortable with that uh, possibility, you don't sign Mike Boone and then draft Javante Williams, then trade up to draft Javante Williams. Um, uh, writing on the wall, I think, is, I think the writing's on the wall for Royce Freeman, rather. Um, but we'll see. It, it wouldn't be the most stunning thing ever if he managed to hold on to a roster spot. But ultimately, I think the Broncos choose to carry just um, three running backs onto that final roster. Going on to uh, wide receiver. Let's do that, and then we'll look at tight end here. Um, I think the Broncos, it's tough. 
I, I had a great conversation with uh, Eric Trickle about this on Twitter. Um, because I was talking about how, you know, the Broncos carried seven wide receivers last year. They could do that again with how talented this group is and maybe even carry eight because it's so much more talented. But Trickle made a great point. Those number seven wide receiver, that wide receiver seven, that wide receiver eight, really isn't doing much for you outside of injury. Um, Now, again, it might be a talent thing. You don't want to risk losing that talent, so you are fine having a, a seventh luxury receiver, an eighth luxury receiver. And I think that'll ultimately happen and the Broncos will carry a seventh wide receiver, but um, it, it, it will be difficult. Um, other positions are going to lose out as a result, but the talents there, I mean, there's five guys you should feel great about um, on the final roster. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, and then for my money, Tyree Cleveland's in there. He's not a lock for the roster, but I love that guy. I think he is such a good player. Um, I think he is the eventual Tim Patrick replacement. Who knows if he'll be able to live up to Patrick's legacy. He's been so good for the Broncos, but I think he's that next um, like number four big-bodied wide receiver, and he's a remarkable athlete for um, it, his size, too. I, I just, um, uh, the long speed and the short area quickness is rare for, for someone his size. And I just, yeah, he, I'm a big Tyree Cleveland fan, if you can't tell. I think those five guys are pretty locked into the roster. And then it's going to come down to Deontay Spencer, who for now is their um, return man. He's the Broncos' top return man. But the Broncos don't want to just waste a roster spot on a return man. They want to find someone who can be a cornerback and a returner. I think Kerry Vincent might be a name to watch there. Um, Or a receiver and a returner. K.J. Hamler, a name to watch there. Maybe even Tyree Cleveland, a name to watch there. And if someone can prove they're more versatile than, you know, Deontay Spencer, who is very little versatility, if any versatility. He's really only the return man. He's not helping you out as a gunner or you know any other special teams role or any other offensive role he is just a return man um and the broncos don't want to do that again uh so that's when we start looking at seth williams who you know probably good for a roster spot but as a sixth round pick uh it won't be the end of the world if the broncos decide to let him walk um so he's not even guaranteed a roster spot Though I do think he is the favorite to be that sixth man because of the investment the Broncos have made in him. And then I think you look at, um, you know, Kendall Hidden also in that mix, which I wouldn't have expected. But with how well he's performed in camp, you see the rave reviews from uh, uh, all the writers there, um, all the media there, uh, all his teammates, the coaching staff, Jerry Judy um, was effervescent in his praise. Um, Hinton, and also Hinton would maybe fill their needs a little more on the back end. They've got a lot of big body guys. They might not need a fourth in Seth Williams. They might need a third guy who can operate from the sp- the slot alongside a, a Judy and Hamler. Um, and Hinton could be that guy. Uh, and, and ultimately, that's what I have the room looking like. Seth Williams is that sixth guy. Kendall Hinton as the seventh. 
I think they're okay having that luxury seventh receiver for Hinton, considering what he did for the team last year. You know, like, I know maybe the quarterbacking wasn't the best, but who was expecting elite-level quarterbacking from Kendall Hinton in that spot? He was put in a nightmare scenario and um, did his best. And the fact he he made it so the Broncos didn't have to forfeit that game um, uh, does deserve some love, and I wouldn't be surprised if they reward him with a roster spot. Uh, if he is performing as well as we're hearing in camp uh, as a slot receiver, uh, I think it makes sense to keep him on. This is a guy, it doesn't get mentioned often, but he is very new to the receiver position. He was a quarterback in college, made the switch to receiver, only had a year there at Wake Forest, I believe. So he's still learning the position. Last year, he was supposed to be a receiver, but he wasn't even on the practice squad for the full season. Um, And then, of course, had the weird quarterback thing and just... uh, in an unbelievable athlete who, you know, his coaches at Wake Forest have raved about him, absolutely love the kid. Uh, the coaches now in Denver are raving about him, absolutely seem to love the kid. Um, the athletic upside's there. And, you know, if he's willing to learn the position and he's, you know, able to learn it and play it effectively, why not give him a roster spot? Because uh, there should be so much potential for him to attain as a player that's still so new to the position. Um, tight end. This one's a very, very tough one to forecast. I think the toughest on offense. Um, Noah Fan and Albert Okwebenam cemented into that number one, number two spot. No one's going to debate that. Behind them, it gets messy um, with Eric Salbert, uh, or Salbert, I don't know how you say it, um, uh, but Salbert, uh, Andrew Beck, Austin Fort, and Sean Bayer. Um, uh, the one or two of those four uh, players will make the roster. Eric Saubert was a free agent addition this season, so maybe he has a leg up. But looking at what he's done so far in the league at, at Atlanta and at Jacksonville, he seems like a poor man's Nick Vanette. Like, he is uber replaceable. I don't really know what he offers to you. Like, maybe you could argue he's uh, a, a solid blocking tight end and like a decent possession receiver, but Andrew Beck does that better. Austin Ford's certainly a better blocker. Sean Bayer's certainly a better blocker, and that's what you need in that third tight end um, spot. And also, the contract is not painful to get out of, even though they just signed it this offseason. Um, so he's one I actually think might, it's weird. I normally feel like free agent additions have like the best chance of making the roster, but I, I kind of think he's got the worst chance out of those four. Um, Austin Fort, I think has the second worst chance talented enough to make it, but it's just had injury uh, issues dating back to his time in college at Wyoming. Um, and I think him staying healthy will be a concern. Hopefully he sticks around on a practice squad or something, but my money's not on him making the final roster. I think the two players that make the final roster at tight end, and I do think it will be too, though. The, the talent is poor enough. The Broncos could just have three, um, but I think it will be Andrew Beck and Sean Bayer. And Andrew Beck is the reason they're comfortable carrying four because he can double as a fullback. Um, I didn't think Beck was going to have that be an advantage for him this offseason um, because he was used so minimally last season in that role. However, one of the most uh, uh, notable undrafted free agents the Broncos signed, and I think he got a, a pretty solid UDFA contract from the Broncos, was um, Adam Prentice, the fullback out of uh, South Carolina. So if they are valuing, if, if they do have a need for someone who can take those fullback snaps, Andrew Beck can be your guy. He can also be that third blocking tight end. And his number four, I've got Sean Bayer. 
Sean Bayer is another guy I've got a bit of a crush on. Uh, awesome blocking tight end. We know he can block. Um, that's no secret. And then he's also a very good athlete who was recruited to Iowa as a wide receiver. So you you would think the receiving upside is there as well, even though he was mostly a blocking tight end in college. Um, so you're looking at a guy who could maybe be that number three tight end, maybe even number two tight end of the future moving forwards um, and consistently give you a, a solid blocking tight end, but not a guy that's um, so much of a tendency giveaway. You know, it's not just like, oh, Sean Bayer's in there running the ball. He, he can uh, run up the seam and uh, burn you there too. Uh, so I, I really like Sean Bayer and think that'll be what the tight end room looks like. Offensive line. Uh, let's go with our starters first here. Um, Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow, um, and Cam Fleming. Bowles, Reisner, Glasgow, don't think I have to dive in there. I do have Cushenberry beating out Miners at center. Um, Albright's been laying out the tea leaves uh, to pretty clearly, um, I don't know, hint at the fact that Miners has a real chance to steal that starting job. And I believe it. I just think he didn't play football last year because, um, you know, Division Two uh, was canceled because of COVID. Um, and also the level of competition he's played at is University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Um, man, expecting him to come in week one and, like, be ready to go at center seems like we're asking a lot. Like, if the Broncos were in a pinch like they were last year and they forced Cushenberry into an almost identical position, um, that'd be one thing. That, that was one thing. Now you've got Cushenberry, who I think can be a decent starter, um, if not a good starter. Like the, His struggles last season really were surprising. Um, I, I think he can be a good starter. And I just I don't think Cushenberry is ready to steal that starting job for him, from him. If, if Cush continues to struggle, maybe Miner steals it then. Um, but I just don't think Miners can steal it pre-week one. So that's why I've got Cushenberry starting. At right tackle, I have Fleming. Uh, Bobby Massey is like the bigger name. And so I think everyone's penciling him into that starting right tackle spot, but he was awful last year. Some of it was the surrounding pieces on that Bears offensive line were also very bad, but Bobby Massey's awful last year. Um, I would not be terribly surprised if he was cut before making the final roster. I ultimately have him making the final roster though. Um, because I think the Broncos will want good tackle depth. I also have Calvin Anderson making the roster. I, I think Calvin Anderson has a good chance to start. The Broncos and Mike Munchak think very, very highly of him. Um, but, uh, I, again, Cam Fleming being the veteran, I think he starts there. Calvin Anderson's one uh, depth piece of tackle. I think they'll keep a second depth piece of tackle, and that'll probably be either Bobby Massey or Quinn Bailey. Um but because right tackle feels so shaky, I think they'll want to go with the veteran, hence Bobby Massey getting that spot. Um, the other two backups I haven't listed yet are Quinn Miners. I think that one goes without saying. And Natani Muti, who last year I think flashed could be a starter in the very near future, whether for the Broncos or another team. Um, so just the depth on that interior of the offensive line is, is legit. It's really, really awesome. Just special athletes everywhere. Um, that, that part of the offensive line will be much, much better this year though. Right tackle, um, remains a question mark. And uh, I'm not doubting bulls at all, but I do want to see it for a second year. You know, there, there have been players before who, you know, seem to figure it all out one year and then the next year it returns to not being great. Um, 
I, I don't want to take Bulls play for granted, I guess is what I'm saying. Hopefully it's there again this coming year. I think we've got a lot of reason to believe it will be there again this coming year. Um, but I don't think it's a guarantee. Defensive line. Um, I think the Broncos keep... So overall on offense, I'll just add up the numbers for you in case you're keeping score. Two quarterbacks, three running backs, seven wide receivers, and four tight ends. That uh, brings us, shoot, I was doing the math, 12, uh, 16 players. And then we have the uh, nine offensive linemen for 25 in total. Um, over to defense on the defensive line. Starters here, very obvious. Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, Draymond Jones. Um, everyone knows how great Shelby Harris is. Great pass rusher, great in the run game, gets his hands up uh, and bats away those balls, which are huge help to the rest of the team. Mike Purcell, incredibly underrated player. Um, he's not going to give you much in the pass rush, but the Broncos don't need that. They've got Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, Bradley Chubb, and Von Miller. Um, what Mike Purcell is going to do is steal gaps and clog up the interior run lanes. Um, and he does that at a very, uh, very high level. Um, and, and I think that's uh, incredibly valuable. Um, to this defense. Uh, having him and then Alexander Johnson and maybe Josie Jewell behind him is the backbone of the, the team's run defense. Um, on to uh, uh, Draymond Jones here. I think he's one of the candidates for a big breakout year. Um, already looks like one of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and now he should have a lot of help on that defensive line with Miller being back. Um, hopefully you get Purcell and Harris healthy for the whole season. Um, and yeah, entering year three, you, you figure he's going to keep progressing and getting better. And yeah, what he's shown already in his career has been so exciting. McTelvin Ajim, uh, you know, disappointing rookie year, but we knew he was a raw, um, upside based defensive lineman coming out of college. Uh, he's going to get more opportunities this year. You'd think he's that first man off the bench to rotate in for a Shelby Harris or a Draymond Jones. Um, and hopefully he does well. I mean, it's just so hard to to know because we just didn't see him last year. And unlike Cushenberry, like Cushenberry was viewed as fairly pro-ready. So I think him disappointing was a bigger deal. Ajim, everyone knew, was like a, a project. And the upside's awesome. So hopefully the Broncos get the upside, but, um, you know, it is a bit of a project. Uh, that That's a wait-and-see proposition. Deshaun Williams was awesome last year. Uh, but this is a case kind of like Bulls, obviously on a much, much, much smaller scale. But Deshaun Williams has been in the league for a while and has bounced around um, and has not been the guy he was last year. Every year there are these players that have this breakout year. Um, and it's kind of an outlier in their career. And people bank on it happening again and being it, it being replicated. And it just isn't and they kind of uh, regress back to the mean um hope again hopefully he can continue to play at the level we saw last year but people should not expect that necessarily and then shamar steven i have making the roster of the broncos might decide to just keep five defensive linemen i have them keeping six because i do think you know Aji makes that roster deshaun williams so showed so much and played so well last season he'll make the roster and then Shamar Steven gives them some depth behind Mike Purcell at defensive tackle. So does Williams somewhat, but I don't think he's that same run stuffer. Um, and I also think uh, uh, the Broncos and George Payton clearly like Steven. He's one of those two guys along with Mike Boone that uh, Payton opted to bring over with him.
Now at edge, this is another position we could see, you know, maybe if, if Steven or Williams or Ajim don't make the roster or, you know, if the Broncos decide to carry three tight ends instead of four or if they carry six receivers instead of seven. This is an area where we could see uh, uh, one of those extra guys get put. I have them only carrying four edge rushers, though, because none of the fifth options really uh, uh, excited me. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, unquestioned starters. Malik Reed, unquestioned as that number three guy. We're going to get that competition uh, at the back end, at that number four spot, at that number five spot. Um, really between Derek Tuska, or, or Tuska, I believe it's actually pronounced, um, and Jonathan Cooper, uh, as well as uh, Pita Taumopenu. Um, uh, starting with, I guess, Derek Tuska, uh, of course, seventh round pick from 2020, made the final roster last year. Just super athletically limited. Has nice quickness, has um, you know a good set of pass rush moves, um, and and knows how to string those together. But when he got on the field last year, he was just so physically outmatched against NFL tackles. Um, the size is an issue. The strength is an issue. And while he is quick, he's not Von Miller quick, where he's going to be getting um, pressures or sacks uh, just entirely untouched. Um, yeah, he just he doesn't look like an NFL player. It's a shame, but he just he doesn't look like an NFL player. Um, and so I think he probably is the first one to lose out. Peter Tamopenu uh, is one that's more interesting to me. Haven't studied him a lot, but uh, uh, Cody Rourke uh, over there, Locked On Broncos, does a ton of great film study work in this community. Keeps hyping up uh, Peter to me. And Peter is Cody's guy, undeniably. And I kind of trust Cody um, and doing some more research on him. I, I get why. Uh, unbelievable strength. Um, and knows how to convert speed to power really well. Um, and is a total traits edge rusher. You know, maybe you bring him in, let him learn behind Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and Malik Reed for a year. Um, learn from this awesome Broncos defensive coaching staff. And then maybe you got something. Um so I think he's someone to watch as maybe a back end of the roster, a practice squad guy for sure. Uh, but ultimately, I, I, I don't see it. I think there's a reason he hasn't been able to, to stick on with other teams. And I ultimately think he just just misses the cut here. Um, so I've got Jonathan Cooper, who a lot of people thought was going to be a fourth round pick, surprisingly drops to the seventh. Then we find out about the heart issue, which um, kind of explains that drop. Uh, but he's not a seventh round talent. You know, he is a, a fourth, maybe fifth round talent if, if you're kind of being unfriendly. I think there's as many people who think he's a third round talent that think he's a fifth round talent. Um, so a very promising edge rusher, especially to to get him in the seventh round is absolutely wild. Um, so I think he's a safe bet to make the final roster and eventually take over for Malik Reed um, as that uh, uh, top rotational pass rusher. Um, you know, was recruited to Ohio State as a five-star. So um, him starting one day shouldn't even be put entirely out of the question, though that does seem like a bit of wish casting. Um, going on to inside linebacker now from the edge position, got Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, Justin Sternad, Baron Browning, and Josh Watson for me. Those five guys making the final roster. Um, maybe you see another one, maybe you see one fewer, um, but ultimately I see it shaking out that way. Uh, this is a very, very, very difficult group to project. Um, Alexander Johnson, uh, uh, 
you know, definitely the best inside linebacker on the team as of now. But he's got, you know, zero dead cap. Um, and the Broncos can save almost $4 million by moving on from him. And he's sneaky old. He's going to be on the wrong side of 30 by the end of this season. So while unlikely, he is a realistic cut candidate, kind of in the same way we saw Todd Davis get cut last year. Josie Jewell also falls into that box where probably won't get cut, but could. Uh, Broncos save over $2 million by moving on from him at this point. Um, I think it's the same whether he's cut or traded. Um, but saving a little over $2 million against the cap. Um, and you just, you know what Josie Jewell is. Kind of same goes for Alexander Johnson at this point. It's like th their athletic liabilities and coverage, and they're going to get targeted constantly in zone coverage, um, but they're going to be good run stuffers. And linebackers like that in the NFL aren't all that difficult to find. And so, you know, if you think Justin Cernad's ready and can be that pass coverage linebacker that really helps out and fits well with Alexander Johnson, then he can be, um, you know, that, that number two guy, then Josie Jewell gets in trouble. Or, you know, maybe he's the number two to Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson suddenly finds himself in trouble. Um, but because those two guys aren't locked into their starting spots and could even be cut, it makes this whole linebacker group so fluid. Justin Sternad, uh, drafted in the back of the fifth round, didn't play at all his rookie year with injury, he could get cut. They don't have enough invested in him where uh, they wouldn't think about cutting him. They would be fine cutting him. I don't think that happens. It seems like they're very happy with him and he would at least be a special teamer, but he could potentially be cut. Like I just said, he could also start as that pass, pass coverage linebacker next to Ju Jewel or uh, Alexander Johnson. Baron Browning, don't think he'll get cut, but he could start and he could also be at the back end of the room because he's fairly raw. Like, he is a better athlete than Micah Parsons. Why did he go? Now, some of this is the NFL being stupid, in my opinion, but why did he go almost 100 picks after Micah Parsons, right? When they're both these kind of raw athletic linebackers. Because Baron Browning's really raw. You know, he, he, he struggles to read the field. He got benched in, um, I think it was the semifinals against Clemson. Um, there's a lot of flaws in his game that need to be corrected. Now, Vic Fangio is the guy to correct him, and if they do get corrected, you're looking at um, an all-pro linebacker, which is why it, it's such an awesome pick by the Broncos at 105. But expecting him to suddenly... Wow, I really struggled reading the field at the college level, but one summer is all it's going to take to fix all those issues and make me a great reader and processor at the NFL level. That seems like a lot to ask. 2022, I'm, I'm all for the Baron Browning starting at linebacker conversation. 2021 feels a little early to me, but again, could be at the top of the depth chart. I don't think he'll be cut, but he could be at the bottom of the depth chart. Um, very fluid. Ultimately, I think he's that number four guy. Uh, Johnson's that one. Jules that two. Sternad's that three. And then Josh Watson is going to be that fifth linebacker, kind of designated as a special teams guy. They brought him along slowly on the practice squad, but the team absolutely loves him. Uh, we've seen him do some of that special teams work in the past, and he's not stellar at it, which is why he's not a lock for the roster, but he is the most experienced with it, um, and so I do think he'll get benefit of the doubt. Cornerback, another uh, position group where you could keep seven as a luxury just because the talent's so great. 
Um, but I think this one will be easier for the Broncos to only keep six at uh, because everyone's coming off a torn ACL, unfortunately, um, which makes some of these decisions that should be um, immensely difficult much easier. Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, uh, Ronald Darby, Patrick Sertan, top five, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, who's going to be starting there? Rookie cornerbacks tend to struggle a little bit. Everything we're hearing out of camp is that Patrick Sertan's that dude and he looks awesome, but it's weird to bench Kyle Fuller for him after you just gave him that contract. Same goes for Ronald Darby. And I think Bryce Callahan's the best cornerback on the team, so are you going to bench him for the rookie? I don't think so. I, I won't be surprised in the slightest if Sertan gets a starting job. And he's going to start at times this year. Ronald Darby has one complete 16-game season in his career. Uh, Bryce Callahan doesn't have a completed 16-game season in his career. One of those guys, and Kyle Fuller is getting up there in age, one of those guys is going to miss at least one game and Sertan will start. He's going to get starting time. Uh, they're going to play a lot of dime, I'm sure, and he's going to get on the field there as well. But as for who will the starting three cornerbacks be on week one, because week 17, everyone could be healthy, and it could be Sertan because he proves to be that good. But week one, I think it will be Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callian, and Ronald Darby as the team bets on veteran experience. The depth pieces behind them. Patrick Sertan is that number four guy. Michael Ojemudia has been playing well in camp and seems locked into that number five spot. Number six is where it gets interesting. And I think it's going to come down to um, Parnell Motley, Kerry Vincent Jr., and Asang Bassey. Parnell Motley uh, played well uh, for what he was last year. You know, a rookie that had undrafted rookie that had bounced around two practice squads already that season, and the Broncos were calling up to be their cornerback eight or cornerback nine. Performed well there. I think he can be a cornerback on the back end of the roster. Um, people who I really trust and respect, like Brett Coleman, um, absolutely loved the guy. Thought he could go in the second or third round of his draft class. Um, so he is a player that I think, uh, you know, either gets practice squatted or, or maybe they carry on the back end of that roster. Ultimately, though, I don't have him being that sixth cornerback because I think where the Broncos want depth is going to be um, at nickel, uh, where they currently have Bryce Callahan, but Callahan's, you know, injury prone. Um, and so it makes sense to have someone who is a natural nickel um, behind him. Uh, and I think that's going to be Kerry Vincent Jr. Uh, Asang Bassey has, you know, proven himself in the NFL and actually played pretty well last year, but he's coming off a torn ACL. Um, and Kerry Vincent isn't, you know, and, and Vincent is also an exceptional athlete who could double as a returner. And all those factors together leads to me giving Vincent the slight edge. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bassey instead, or the Broncos decided to keep both of them. Or, you know, maybe all three with Motley. Eh, all three would be difficult because then you're looking at eight cornerbacks or like cutting Ojemudia. And I don't think they do that. But, um, you know, it could be Motley instead of the other two if they feel uh, comfortable with their cornerbacks' versatility to maybe slide into the nickel um, in case of a Callahan injury. Safety lasts a, a real position before we get into the specialists. Um, safety, you got Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Jamar Johnson, and Caden Stearns. Um, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, no-brainer starters. Uh, that's not going to be a camp battle. Um, the camp battle will be between Jamar Johnson, Caden Stearns, and Trey Marshall. 
Um, right off the top, I'm not a big Trey Marshall guy, so I might be underrating his chances of making the final roster. Uh, the coaching staff continues to love him and continues to keep him around and give him a lot of practice reps, um, you know, and, and even would put him out there with the starters or whatever. Like they, they really like Trey Marshall. I don't understand it. Not that he's a bad player. He's fine. I think he's worthy of a roster spot on some NFL team. But uh, Jamar Johnson and Caden Stearns just look so much more promising to me. Jamar Johnson from day one can fill that Will Parks, like, number three safety role. And if Caden Stearns um, has matured from maybe some of the work ethic concerns we heard about in college, um, he's got the talent to start next season next to Justin Simmons you know like he was looked at as a guy who could go top 10 after his freshman year because of all the promise he showed unreal athlete the instincts are there checks every box in terms of talent you know it's the off-field and not even with legal stuff just the off-field character stuff um, that leads you to concern but if he's figured out those areas of concern um, much much better player than Trey Marshall Um, so yeah, ultimately I have Marshall being the the odd man out at safety. And then to to close this out, let's look at the specialists: um, McManus, Martin, and Bob and Moyer. Um, McManus, unquestioned kicker. Martin had a mini competition there with Duffy that Martin has now won. As for Bob and Meyer, maybe there's some long snapping competition, but I'm not even going to pretend. Like I know enough about long snapping or Boban Meyer's long snapping performance last season to give heavy in-depth analysis on that. So I have Bob and Meyer, Bob and Moyer. I don't know winning that job, um, and you know I I don't see any reason to believe he won't win that job. But there you go, position by position. That's what I think the Broncos' final roster looks like today. Um, but it's so exciting because training camp's going to change this all up. You know, there could be, uh, there's going to be at one position, I I can guarantee it now, a guy that I didn't really even consider or give that great of a shot of making the final roster, who just catches everyone's eyes in camp, and all of a sudden it's like, dang, is this guy wide receiver six? Is this guy tight end three, tight end four? Is this guy, um, you know, that ninth offensive lineman or that sixth defensive lineman? Um, So that's something I'm really excited for. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, but until next week, um, well, well, next week we're, we've got the uh, excellent Maddie Moles on, so keep your uh, uh, ears ready for that. Um, and until next time, folks, let's stay fired up.